welcome to Hot Goss History. This is your favorite weekly history podcast where we talk about all these saucy and salacious stories that you never learned about in high school. I'm Belle. I'm Ellen, and welcome to Hot Goss History. <laughs> What's the hot goss today, Belle? So today we are talking about the one and the only Tallulah Bankhead. Have you ever heard of her? No. Okay, well, have you heard the phrase, Tallulah, darling? Uh, yes. <laughs> Question well, mark. That, so I'm sure you've heard someone be like, darling, right? Mm-hmm. In like the translytic accent. Well, okay. That is Tallulah Bankhead. That was her catchphrase. And okay. she was quite the character. She was one of the, she's a big star in Hollywood's golden age. But honestly, she's kind of most famous for being America's number one slut that you never oh. knew about. Yeah. Okay, oh, I yeah. like she, it. Yeah, so before we get to the super saucy stuff, which there is plenty of, <laughs> let's talk about her early life. Okay. So Tallulah Bankhead was born on January 31st, 1902 in Huntsville, Alabama to William Brockman Bankhead and Adelaide Eugenia or Ada Bankhead. I love the name. Ada. I love Adelaide. That's adorable. <laughs> it's really cute. So William was born into the Bankhead and Brockman political family. Uh, I found that in an article and then I went down on a little bit of, rab- of a rabbit hole trying to find that. Um, basically, it just means that he was a B-list candidate, oh. both literally and figuratively. I literally found the info on the family from a Wikipedia page titled List of United States Political Families B. Yep. The, okay. The literal B list of political, <laughs> political families contains 295 families. But I will say that among the B list, literal and figurative, uh, the Bankhead and Brockman family was actually pretty legit. Though the line kind of ended with William, uh, not shocking, which given what Tallulah was like. Uh, William was a congressman for the Democratic Party in Alabama from 1917 to 1940. And for his last two terms, he was the Speaker of the House. 1917 to 1940. That's a long time. That's a long time. For any of our listeners who are, you know, overseas or had a crappy public school education um, or just forgot, congressmen are split into senators and state representatives. State representatives have two-year terms and senators have six-year terms. There are two senators from every state and there's a bunch of representatives, the number of which I currently don't remember, but they're allocated well, based on, on state your population. size. Yeah. 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 I just meant in total. Oh yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's a number that I should know, but I don't. Okay. But anyway, William Bankhead, Tallulah's dad was speaker of the house at one point, And then the rest of the family, which was joined by marriage, the Brockmans and the Bankheads were joined by marriage in the early 1800s. Um, they produced one state senator, two U.S. senators, and two U.S. US reps, um, including William. And the other rep was also a delegate to the Democratic National Convention. Like I said, this line kind of ended with William. Because, I, I don't know if it's just because of Tallulah. He had two daughters, and I don't believe his other family members had any children to kind of go on and be political. Regardless, Tallulah definitely got most of her spice from her mother, Ada. Her mom, Ada, met William while she was shopping for her wedding dress for an impending wedding to somebody else. No. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. well, one, it would be weirder if she met him while yeah. buying a wedding dress <laughs> for a wedding to him. But mm-hmm. what? Was he just, like, wandering around the they were, like, wedding shop store? They were, like, in a department store. And she wasn't, like, oh, you know. She was, like, what? what? I looked for more information. And, like, I'm. it's just kind of, I couldn't find a ton, mostly because their personal lives are very much overshadowed by Tallulah's, which okay. I'm not surprised. But, like. Yeah, basically they said they met and they fell in love at first sight. It was one of those things. I mean, people always say, do you believe in love at first sight? And I mean, I don't know if I, you know, believe it's going to happen to me, but I do think like love at first 15 minute conversation can happen. I don't think you can be in love at first sight. Like, no, they, like you can have the potential for it, maybe, but I think I you've got to know them. Oh yeah. I feel like back then though, Duke was like, that's the girl I'm going to marry. But also at the same time, it's like. I don't know. There I'm weren't definitely... as many options either. You're like, oh, there's five girls in my town. Four of them are ugly. I knew at first sight. <laughs> <laughs> it's not saying much. 
Anyway, yet together, they had two children, right? So they had in 1900, William and Ada had their pretty much almost exactly a year after their marriage. Uh, they had their first daughter, Evelyn. She was born a little premature. She had some vision problems, but otherwise was fine. And then Tallulah followed exactly one year and one week later on her parents' wedding anniversary. Oh. Mm-hmm. Which like good for her dad. Like, yeah, I get a, a built-in. I get to remember like, yeah, I don't know. How people are like, get married on Valentine's Day. Then you never forget your anniversary. Well, yeah. Which I think is stupid. No, I love my, one of my love languages is gift giving and receiving. Like I like presents that doesn't make me materialistic. Like, sure. I like stuff like material girl. Like, yeah, (laughs) I get that. But it's also like, you could buy me a granola bar and be like, I know you like mint chocolate chip. I found this for you. And I would be over the goddamn moon, right? Yeah, so, Belle uh, is very big into present giving. She has made me like little jewelry, and little <laughs> magnets. She, great gift giver. But Thank also you. one of my cousins, uh, her birthday's right around Christmas mm-hmm. and she hates it because Christmas. she's like, yeah, I just get one present for both holidays. My friend, um, she would celebrate her half birthday instead. She oh. complained when she was like six or seven. And her mom was like, well, if you want, we could do your half birthday party. It's like, you would get less presents at Christmas. And she's like, but I want a birthday party. Right. Which is yeah. very fair. Yeah. So she got like the same amount of presents, but like, it still feels like more, you know? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, as a kid, I was really bitter that my siblings all got to celebrate their adoption days because they weren't their birthdays. I was fucking taken home from the hospital. I was fresh out the kitchen. So I don't <laughs> have an adoption. I was just like, I was one present day down, man. <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, so they had Evelyn and they had Tallulah, but tragically Ada died three weeks after Tallulah was born from sepsis, or as they called them, blood poisoning. Like I said, Ada was fairly independent and she was a feisty woman. Honestly, I can never decide if I like the word feisty or if I find it questionable, like the word shrill is not okay, right? Or like when men call it feisty, I at least think is is a positive kind of I think it's a good thing. Yeah. Um, I'm going to stir shit up, you know? Yeah, On her freaking deathbed, on Ada's deathbed, like she's dying of sepsis. She basically prophesied, prophesied, prophesied Tallulah's destiny to be a boss ass bitch by telling her sister-in-law, quote unquote, take care of Eugenia. Tallulah will always be able to take care of herself. And this is like three weeks after the baby was born. Yeah, she's talking about her literal two-year-old daughter and her three-week-old baby. She just like had an idea and she wasn't fucking wrong. Okay. That's weird. I mean, it could have just been totally chance, like complete chance. But at the same time, it's like I, you could be like the thing like, oh, they put like the idea in the, you know, sister-in-law's head. Whatever. But like, at the same time, it's like I feel like I mean, babies have personalities, right? Even like granted at like three weeks old, they're still kind of in the bread loaf stage. But mm-hmm. like I, you get a vibe. I don't know. My only qualifications for this is that I used to be a baby and that I used to be a nanny. I don't know. <laughs> that you used to be a baby that is mm-hmm. really uh glowing reviews there <laughs> it's true it's like when guys on dating apps are like you have nice eyes and I'm like thanks I grew them myself and they don't know what to say and I'm like then don't fuck like something that I can't have just like happened upon like tell me my butt is nice I work on that like come on <laughs> anyway so yeah Ada is dead Eugenia is three weeks old, Tallulah's two years old, and William gets super depressed. We start suffering from alcoholism, and the girls were then raised by the paternal grandmother, who was the OG Tallulah. Tallulah was, in fact, actually named after her paternal grandmother, who was named after the Tallulah, after Tallulah Falls, actually. Where is Tallulah Falls? What is Uh, that? Alabama, I'm pretty positive. Okay. This is in Alabama, I think. Regardless, they're raised by the OG Tallulah until they're 10 and 11-ish. I guess they were a little too feisty for Tallulah's handling. So she sent them to a Catholic boarding school in upstate New York, um, in Manhattanville, I believe. So not uh, Dear Ellen's parochial school. <laughs> not Syracuse, New York. That no, it was not Syracuse. Yeah. Which also, this was like, not a scandal, but it was like, oh, because her dad was an Episcopalian. Sorry, no, oh. her dad was a Methodist and her mom was an Episcopalian. Yeah, so. Going to Catholic school was a no-no. Okay. See, people tend to shit on Catholics until they, and like, there's plenty of reasons to shit on Catholics, but until they realize, oh, wait, the nuns will take care of our kids. Here you go. Right. 
Right. <laughs> They'll keep them in line and teach them yeah, some stuff. Yeah, there might be some mild abuse, but still. Yeah. But, you so, know, you don't have to deal with them. <laughs> it's free daycare, right? It's true. Considering the sex symbol that she ultimately became, Tallulah had a massive glow up uh, during puberty. As a child, uh, she was described as, quote unquote, extremely homely. No, who called her that? (laughs) Like everybody. I mean, mean, okay, you can't say that like a 12 year old child is homely. That's so mean. I mean, homely is like, I wouldn't, homely doesn't seem ugly. It just means that you're not like pretty. It's okay. See, I think it's like people are like trying to reclaim the word fat. There's something wrong with not being pretty. Right. I mean, like, I don't right. not every not everybody's physically beautiful. Just going to say right there. Not everybody is right. Bodies are all really cool. Given that all bodies have value, but like not everybody's pretty. Right. Beauty and pu- pretty are different. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, though, called extremely homely um, and she was a little chubby and was she was frequently compared to Eugenia, her sister, who was thinner and objectively prettier. Right. Oh, but she's also older by like a year. I'm just saying she could have gone through puberty first. That's not fair. Regardless, though, maybe most likely due to her awkward fat kid status, Tallulah put all of her energy into being funny and entertaining, which seemed to be a natural gift. One of her had a natural gift for it. Yeah. I was actually reading an article again. I get down rabbit holes when I was looking at this. And apparently it was an article in like GQ or something, which like, oh God regardless it was like women are okay with dating fat men because they presume fat men to be funnier which is actually true and i'm like Ugh. and then it becomes like a whole thing though it's like oh you know like and women also prefer fat guys then they don't feel self-conscious and i'm like why don't you just stop making feel self-conscious like right so it's maybe like, just don't be dicks <laughs> it's like literally it was the whole article was like hyping up quote-unquote nice guys about how it's okay to be fat and not be funny because even if you're not funny she'll still think that you are and by the time that she realizes that you're not funny you'll have her locked in uh, it's so I, cringe i hate, I it. hate it i hate it i that. hate everything you just said i know oh god do better also it was like from like a year ago it was not an old article Ugh. anyway grow up a little bit in my mouth regardless though tulula was naturally funny and she was a fantastic performer are we talking like music or acting or so she would want to be an actress but just like a performer in general just right? wants like she, to she be had, the center she had attention. like star quality star power you know what i'm saying because some people yeah. just have like that that je ne sais quoi right mm-hmm. yeah so before she was at boarding school as a kid her she and she this is kind of like her fun fact she'd say when she you know to the other girls at boarding school she would say her first this is true her first official performance was at a talent show at a party that uh that her aunt threw she won this little talent show, right? Which I kind of love that. We have a talent show. I tell you, reunion every year. My family reunion. I am muttering today, kids. Regardless, the judges of this talent show were family friends, Wilbur and Orville Wright. Oh. Motherfucking Wright brothers. Do bros of modern <laughs> aviation. Wait. Yeah. What? What a fun little yeah. cameo that is. I know. <laughs> so at boarding school, though. Um, she got there when she was 10. Tulula had her first sexual experiences. She began sleeping with her female classmates in all girls boarding school. At 10 years old? We don't know if it's exactly at 10, but like she was at boarding school until she was 15. So like that's where she had her first sexual okay. experiences was at boarding school, which I feel like, you know, like early teen years, you start experimenting, experimenting with sex and stuff. And I mean, comp had is such a thing, compulsive heterosexuality. I guarantee it's like, you know, like you'll like practice kissing. Like I never did that, but like, you know. I mean, that's a thing. It's like a trope for a reason, right? Girls never think they're attracted to girls if they are also attracted to boys, you mm-hmm. know? But not Tallulah. Tallulah was well aware that she was into into almost everything, really. Okay. Yeah, but no. So Tallulah definitely had a lot of relationships with some of the girls at boarding school. <laughs> In a cracked article that I found about her life, they put it as because putting a whole bunch of horny teenagers in one room overnight after telling them sex is bad all day has always ended well. <laughs> that is like, okay, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Rather than bi or pansexual, Tallulah self-identified as ambisextrous. What is that? So I first thought it was like a, a her own little like play on ambidextrous, you know, like when you can write with both hands, but oh. ambisextrous is actually a word. Like it's actually a legitimate label, which we need to use way more often. It's a derivation of ambisexual, which according to Merriam-Webster encompasses. 
One, bisexual, which is having, showing, or involving feelings of sexual attraction for both sexes. Two, having qualities or characteristics associated with both sexes is sexually ambiguous. Um, I took this to mean not like intersex, but more like androgynous. Mm -hmm. um, and suitable or designed for both males and females, unisex. So first of all, uh, that my new label, ambisextrous, fucking love that. Uh, <laughs> second, I, yeah, she was just like very out. Anyway, I do think I should mention Tallulah was not the only uh, saucy broad in the family. And I don't mean Ada, uh, Eugenia got married for the first time at the tender age of 16, which like not crazy, you know, this Whoa. is like 19, literally 1916. But then she got married six more times after that. Uh, yes. Yeah. Two of those marriages were to the same guy. But yeah, Eugenia was basically, they're like, Eugenia was also like about it, but she was a romantic. So she was like, put a ring on it and then you can, you know, put it in, right? Oh my gosh, Eugenia. It reminds me, have you read um, what the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo? I, I think I have the book. Every time I go home, my mom has like a stack of books for me to take with me. Or, like, oh, read. I'm like, yeah. it's a very good book. I'm sure. Yeah. Would recommend it. But that reminds me of her. Okay. With yeah. all the husbands and <laughs> all that. Love that. Yeah. Like, I definitely wouldn't say that I'm at all like a Tallulah. I don't think anybody's a Tallulah. She literally has a quote that says, nobody can be exactly like me. Sometimes even I have trouble doing it. I love it. But I definitely would rather never get married than get married a bunch of times personally see <laughs> I don't know I think in my real like my actual heart I only want to be married once well, sure, but, same, but, like, but if I'm have to be married more than once I would want to be married uh, like a hundred times you know what I mean if I'm gonna go over one I want to have like I want to have like six because then you get to be like, oh, my fourth husband. How fun is that? <laughs> That's literally us. Like, just call our new podcast, Jeannie and Talu Take on the World. Right when uh, Eugenia is getting married, it's 1917, Tallulah has kind of finally started shedding that former fat kid status. Like, she has, like, one thing I said, said that she blossomed into a proper Southern belle. Um, her aunt had kind of encouraged her to start dieting take more pride in her appearance. And like, honestly, I don't think it was like meant to be in like a toxic way. Right. She was just kind of like I'm skeptical of that. I don't know. I mean, maybe but at the same time, it's like, why can't she just be a fun performing girl? Why does she have to be a skinny fun performing girl? I think I'm just in a feisty mood. And also it's probably just puberty, right? 15 is mm -hmm. a pretty normal age to losing baby fat. Right. Maybe you get taller, you stretch yeah. out. Big thing though, at 15, she's kind of like blossoming. She submitted her photo to a contest in Picture Play magazine. Um, at the time, it's kind of like is that like a like a nudie magazine? No, 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 okay. no. So picture, yeah, I was just gonna say so picture play. So at the time they used to have like there's a magazine called Look as well. It was like literally all up movies. Oh, like people were like into movies, right? And like so there was a bunch of magazines that I think they're weekly mags that were just all about the new movies that were out da -da -da -da, like all about stars so she submitted her picture to um her photo to this contest in picture play magazine she ended up winning the contest and the prize was a trip to New York and a small part in the movie who loved him best and $75 which today is like that's not chump change it's between $1,600 and $1,800 depending on how you factor hmm. in purchasing power so like okay at 15 you win like a three-week long trip to New York a little cameo in a movie and like almost $2,000 that's pretty pretty that's lovely deal. yeah yeah honestly kind of cute like she just did it as like a fun thing and then her dad found out because it was like and he was like okay yeah you should go which I like that but yeah at this point she officially left her boarding school um which was like I said, uh, in upstate New York and moved to the Algonquin Hotel in New York, New York City. The Algonquin Hotel was one of the hot spots for the cool, the artsy, the ingenue. And she eventually became part of like the infamous unofficial social club called the Algonquin Roundtable. Kind of like obviously a play on the nights of the Roundtable, but the Algonquin is the hotel. But yeah, so she's in this club, the Algonquin Roundtable. And within the club, she's further distinguished. She's one of the four writers of the Algonquin, which are like the four hotties, like they're four women. Okay. Um, Love the it. three were Estelle Winwood, Eva Le Gallien, and Blythe Daly. Tallulah would end up sleeping with Blythe, who was bisexual, and Eva, who was lesbian. 
Uh, Estelle was apparently uh, straight. But yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, Three out of four ain't bad. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's a real queer time. I mean, looking back, I don't know. I mean, if you think about it too, like the, the whole stereotype of like the theater kid being, you know, pretty gay. I mean, that kind of held up in this part of time. It's just like, you know, there were ways around it, but also we don't really hear a lot about women, like queer women who are just like going for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially like the femme queer woman. Right. She's, you need to look up a picture of her. She is beautiful, like stunning. Oh, she is very pretty. So she has yeah. very um, like big, almost like puppy dog eyes. I don't like, yeah. I don't remember what it's called, but you can see the white under your uh, iris. The sclera? No, there's like a name for that type of eye, but it is the sclera, like anatomically. But no, it's, um, yeah. We will post a pic, many, oh, I'll post many pictures of her on our Instagram. But yeah, so she is a femme queer hottie. But yeah, uh, so her dad ships her off, not ships her off. She goes to New York with her dad's blessing, uh, like any good dad. Old Willie Bankhead gave his daughter a big lecture on the dangers of boys and booze before she moved to the city. Um, in the words of Tallulah, he didn't say anything about women and cocaine. I love that. I know. <laughs> um, although apparently she, for the most of, for like a good chunk of her life, she wasn't really a big drinker, but she was a big fan of other drugs. Uh, she was once quoted as saying, cocaine isn't habit forming. And I know because I've been taking it for years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, during her time in New York, and honestly, largely because of her partying, Tallulah sort of making a big name for herself in the acting world. Uh, she was a household name in both the U.S. and the U.K., Okay. An article in Vanity Fair stated she's the only actress on both sides of the Atlantic to be recognized for her first name only. It was Tallulah Darling. Like that was just, she was Tallulah Darling. And the whole Tallulah Darling, I can't, I'm terrible at it. It's a transatlantic <laughs> accent, but also she's from the South, but she apparently didn't have too much of a drawl, but she, again, it's the golden age of Hollywood. They're doing the transatlantic accent because it's meant to be so moviegoers in the UK can easily understand films in the US. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, or if you watch the Netflix show, which is fantastic, by the way, it's a limited series called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. They show like diction classes with like actresses at a mm. studio. And uh, the teacher says, and who lives in the, Atl- in the middle of the Atlantic girls? No one. So it's like, this is how movie stars talk. Ah, right? uh, okay. That makes yeah. sense. And that's also how like people like Audrey Hepburn would talk, things like that. It's why they had that pronounced voice because- it was an affect, right? They learned to speak that way. In 1922, at age 20, she moved to London. So it's starring in plays there. And she got this reputation for being able to act the shit out of any role. Um, even if okay. the material she was given was absolute garbage. Um, she could just make anything come to life. Uh, in her autobiography, uh, she talked about a time where she was in a play where she had to carry a monkey on stage. Um, quote, on opening night, the monkey went berserk. He snatched my black wig from my head, leapt from my arms, and scampered down to the footlights. There he paused, peered out at the audience, then waved my wig over his head. The Uh, audience had been giggling at the absurd plot even before the simian had me. Now it became hysterical. And what did Tallulah do in this crisis? I turned a cartwheel. The audience roared. After the monkey business, I was afraid they might boo me too. Instead, I received an ovation. Wow. Yeah. She was, again, she just had that quality. Had the knack. Knew what people wanted. Okay. She was just a showman, right? Like, yeah. So she just had that special, that something. So after eight years in the UK, Tallulah returned to the States um, in 1931, the intention of transitioning into Hollywood, into movies. Okay. Um, She had a few eh, roles, but she did end up finding some success. But she realized that she wasn't a big fan of living in Hollywood. She's just kind of over it. She's like, she loved the theater, right? She loved that she, nobody really cares about you when you're in a play. You just, you play the part and you go home. Whereas Hollywood's Mm -hmm. all politics and glitz and glamour. But she got to this point where her going rate was $50,000 a film, which is like almost a million dollars today per film. And she's like, well, it's not chump change. I guess I could deal with it for a while Right after she got in Hollywood, she or in LA, she kind of became pretty popular because I guess it was she always threw regular parties, which wasn't really, you know, that out of the way, but her parties apparently had quote unquote no boundaries. Apparently she would just like 
take off her clothes sometimes and just walk down the grand staircase, just be like, oh, hello, because she was just had again, she had no boundaries. She was fearless and just she was very, for the most part, like very happy with herself. Okay. Proud of everything, which, okay. In 1932, when talking about her role in the movie Devil in the Deep, also starred Cary Grant, Gary Cooper, and Charles Lawton. Darling, the main reason I accepted was to fuck that divine Gary Cooper. (laughs) No. Yeah. Okay. So I should say that in the original magazine article, fuck was redacted and replaced by, quote, word of profanity implying sexual relations, unquote. Yeah. No. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Uh, so theoretically, like she could have said screw or bang or something like that, but I feel like those might not have been redacted. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. So I, anyway. And yeah. those feel like newer yeah, slang, right? you know? Like, I'm pretty sure she was serious. Like she just Amazing. didn't, she didn't love movies. She was getting paid a lot. She's like, honestly, I'll do it so I can bone Gary. Is Barry a cutie? Gary, G A R I R Y. I don't know. Oh, he's handsome. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know. And like, I, fun fact, like earlier in that year before this interview of, with about Devil in the Deep, before she presumably got with Gary, uh, in an interview to Motion Picture magazine, she said, I'm serious about love. I'm damn serious about it now. I haven't had an affair for six months. Six months too long. If there's anything the matter with me now, it's not Hollywood or Hollywood state of mind. The matter with me is I want a man. Six months is long, long while. I want a man. Wait, I'm sorry. Who is she saying this to? An interviewer for Motion Picture Magazine. <laughs> like, this is like a grocery checkout aisle magazine anywhere. What? She's saying she wants to get get dick down. That's what she's saying. Like, I hate the term dick down, but that's what she's saying. She wants a guy. She just wants the D. Whoa, that's not something you just say in an interview. That's. Oh, oh, we'll get. So, oh, my gosh. Salula. This interview and many others like it uh, essentially went the 1932 equivalent of viral. And all of these uh, ended up getting Tallulah listed as number one in the Hayes Committee's Doom Book. This Doom Book was a list of 150 actors who were considered, quote unquote, unsuitable for the public. (laughs) And yeah, and this book was available to all the major studios. So she was literally number one in this book. And her personal heading over her picture was, Verbal moral turpitude. I'm honestly, I'm still stuck on Gary Cooper. Well, he's hot. <laughs> okay. Is he, well, okay. Clearly, Gary Cooper has to go on the Instagram. <laughs> oh, no. Uh-uh. His, you think Gary Cooper's hot? Are we not looking at the same man? Like, as a young, oh, as a oh, young. Oh, hello. Okay. I don't know who the hell I was looking at. I don't know who you're looking at, but. Damn. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Gary Cooper could could get it. He's handsome. All right, you're right. I'm. But, I. Uh, you know, you're good. You keep gazing at Gears. Um, no, I gotta put him away, or I'll be distracted. <laughs> okay, wait. So, did Tallulah say that in the interview before or after Gary Cooper? This was, I believe, before Gary Cooper. Uh, so I could see why she's like, "All right, I'll take a mm-hmm. movie with yeah, Gary." Just, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So when she's asked about being featured in the list, uh, Tallulah referred to Hayes uh, as a little prick. <laughs> Honestly, she's not wrong. Uh, Will H. Hayes was also responsible for the infamous Hayes Code of 1927, which officially was called the Motion Picture Production Code. It was the precursor to, it's a precursor or precursor? 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 Precursor to the modern film rating system of like, we have like GPG, et cetera. Oh. So the Hayes Code was split into two lists lists the first comprised of things that were forbidden to be included in a film called don'ts and the second was called be carefuls which were things that should be you know avoided or handled cautiously the don't list featured 11 items one pointed pointed profanity either by title or lip this includes the word god lord jesus christ unless they be used reverently in connection with proper religious ceremonies hell sob damn god g-a-w-d god and God. every other profane and vulgar expression, however it may be spelled. Two, any licentious or suggestive nudity, in fact, or in silhouette, and any lecherous or licentious notice thereof by other characters in the picture. The oh. illegal tra- yeah, right? The illegal traffic in drugs, any interference of sex perversion, white slavery, 
uh, white slavery, which is a very problematic name, uh, but basically it's any kind of human trafficking. So you could show enslaved Africans, but you could But if show. it was a white person, yep. absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Ah! Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. You couldn't show, yep. You couldn't show miscegenation, shocker. Uh, even though, which is, you know, white and black people of different races, uh, okay. even being like friends, they had what? to be like a mate or something. Yeah. It's so fucked up. Sex hygiene and venereal diseases. So you couldn't like show, talk about safe sex. You couldn't talk about anything mm-hmm. with like VD. Scenes of childbirth, in fact, or in silhouette. Sorry, scenes of actual childbirth, in fact, or in silhouette. Basically, I think you could like hear like childbirth cries, but you couldn't okay. do that. Uh, children's sex organs. Okay, like that I can get on board with, right? Right. You can't, yep, you can't show nude kiddos. Uh, ridicule of the clergy. <laughs> you can't like, ah! You can't make fun of priests, which like, okay. And then willful to offense to any nation, race, or creed. Like, okay, yeah. Sure. You can't. Okay. But that's also so hypocritical. It's basically, it's saying you can't be a racist asshole, but then everything, but you can show enslaved black people. You can show miscegenation. It's just like, Oh God, fucking a. Okay. Dang. This reminds me of um, one of our last episodes with the Comstock <clears throat> act. Yeah. Like similar, like, I yeah, mean, it seems to be like a theme for me. Like, Anyway, uh, but you also notice that this list, the list of don'ts, like the absolute no's, it doesn't include many traumatizing concepts that were on the be careful list, right? Including rape, guns, torture, the deliberate seduction of girls, aka statutory rape, and my personal what the actual fuck, and I quote, actual hangings and electrocutions as legal punishment for crime. Jeez. Wait, so, so you couldn't show childbirth and you couldn't, sh- you can show someone being murdered by the state it's just like yeah no it's fucked up yeah so anyway uh will hayes was a fucking twat and yeah the hayes code was in effect until 1968 back to Tallulah. she was making bank as a movie star like we said about a million dollars in today's money as a per per movie uh she just wasn't a fan uh even Mm -hmm. though she had her fun boundaryless parties and whatever but at this point she's kind of already been like She's in the Doom book. And again, she doesn't care, but in Hollywood in general, they're just, you know, she's not even like a love to hate. She's just scandalous, you know? Yeah. So she decided to move back to New York and work on Broadway. Okay. That seems like her. One thing I do want to say. So she was linked to a bunch of famous starlets and writers, females through her time. Like, obviously we know that she had a lot of sex with men, um, but also with women and but of course, the sex with women was mostly kind of like hush hush. Some of the famed ladies that she was linked to include Greta Garbo, Marlene Dietrich, Joan Crawford, Hattie McDaniel, Beatrice Lilly, Alla or Alla Nazimova, Blythe Daly, which we already talked about, Mercedes DaCosta, Eve Legallian, who we talked about, Billie Holiday, and Patsy Kelly. She was, she could pull. Girl could pull. <laughs> In 1933, she decides that she's going to just yeet, go back to New York, work on Broadway. <laughs> really, the theater just kind of did seem to be where she was most at more home. her thing yeah yeah more her vibe right but I mean even in that sense like lots of the work in her plays actually inspired movies that were blockbusters like down the line one of them being forsaking all others uh which was turned into a movie that starred Joan Crawford a year later um Joan who she used to bone uh <laughs> <laughs> I love it yeah but yeah, but right as she's getting back in the swing of theater acting, Tlula is suddenly rushed uh, to the hospital where she had an emergency hysterectomy during which she almost died uh, due to complications from gonorrhea. Whoa, uh, wait, you- what? Yep. Wait, 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 what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, girls in Hollywood, right? She's living her best life. She just yeah. finished up that movie with... Uh, your your main man Gary. Um, she's over Hollywood. She decides to go to New York, and basically, they almost as soon as she gets, as soon as she gets there, she again has to go. So she just gets like incredibly sick. She got very sick, a high fever, and like I, th- I believe, like passed out, was delirious. Took oh. her to the hospital. She had like insane inflammation. So they took out a complete hysterectomy, like her uterus. Actually, I think they left her with one ovary. <sighs> she didn't go into menopause after that. I'm not positive, but like that would be the I. Anyway, but yeah, so Whoa. they did remove her uterus, but you know that. Anyway. Um, well, I also did not know that was, like, uh, outcome of gonorrhea. 
Well, yeah. So, I mean, gonorrhea, it looks like anything, right? It, I so guess it affects, it's an infection. It your, well, it affects your pelvic region. So like pelvic inflammatory disease, P- PID, that is often caused by an untreated STD or things like that. Jeez. So yeah. So she just had like a raging STD and just didn't know until it bubbled yeah, up. Right. Yeah. Whoa. So, fun uh, she, fact not that fun kind of fun but um so I used to do like research up in the woods like in the mm-hmm. wilderness mm-hmm. and uh one time I was talking to my parents and I was like yeah we saw all these beavers and beavers are when they poop in rivers and stuff mm-hmm. they can cause giardia yeah. which is different <laughs> but I yeah. said to my parents yeah I'm up here in the woods and I really hope I didn't, don't get gonorrhea and my parents were like um what (laughs) so fun fact (laughs) okay so yeah Tallulah had a raging gonorrhea infection which apparently she said she either caught from Gary Cooper uh or George Raft better not be Gary Cooper let me look up George Raft let me see he's not as cute well Um, must have been George (laughs) yeah so after the surgery though she was left incredibly weak and emaciated after recovering i Mm -hmm. couldn't find out how long she's in the hospital for but it was definitely a while like overall over a month do we know how old she is at this point she's 31 okay so pretty young yeah pretty young i know it was at least a month or two but like when she left the hospital she was not doing so hot she was like Mm -hmm. weak she was at 70 pounds yeah she was five for reference i let's see I'm five, five. Uh, I dealt with an eating disorder in college, my lowest weight, which my, one of my therapists jokingly called my fighting weight. I like dark humor. So did she was, funny. Uh, <laughs> was 90 pounds. Funny. Yeah. Uh, which is not, it was not good. Like I never had to like go to like the hospital and stuff and like get a feeding tube, but like to perspective, like me as like a 90 pounds on me was like a size, like zero two right so mm-hmm. think about how small she was granted all the clothing is being like made for them but still 70 pounds on a five very woman. Small. it's very small right um from what I gathered her usual weight was around 100 pounds which like she's petite but like it's not for the time people were also smaller right still yeah. she's emaciated anyway and I did look it up um the typical uterus like when they remove it is about two pounds but there's so like at most usually it was like five pounds just from the surgery, like from the junk coming out. Um, yeah. And like, that's obviously like the fallopian tubes don't weigh that much or the ovaries. That's very thorough research. How much I, the uterus is when it comes out well, in weight. Like, well, like I was thinking, I was like, well, how much I was like, but like, okay. Cause I mean, when you have surgery though, it's like, okay, well, how much was it because of the surgery? Like it's because mm. she lost a big ass organ, but like also was ill or like how, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Anyway, though, she's leaving the hospital again, still not doing such. She's still not at all deterred from being America's favorite hoe, because when she leaves, she's like getting wheeled out of the hospital. She tells her doctor, don't think that this has taught me a lesson. Like, I haven't learned anything from this bitch. I'm going to do what Tallulah's going to do. do what Tallulah do. Yes. I thought you were going to say she's like hitting on her doctor as he wheels her out. That would really be the creme de la creme but honestly she probably already did (laughs) and he was like Tallulah I don't want your gonorrhea right (laughs) yeah Um, I know what's been going on (laughs) yeah yeah so uh prior to her hysterectomy at 31 um Tallulah was known to have had at least four abortions during this time it was common practice for studios to actually force female stars to have abortions if they got pregnant which Again, it's pro-choice, not pro-abortion, as mother who would affect the images they have been carefully curated for them. A Vanity Fair article by Marcy Bianco and Marin Jones uh, compared access to abortion in the golden age of Hollywood to aspirin or appendectomies. And honestly, they weren't wrong. Like, it's easier to get an abortion than, than it is today. One of the most famous quotes of the time came from an anonymous actress is, abortions were our birth control. Naivete, naivete was a huge factor here. So, but if you think about these girls, right? So they had never had actual sex ed. There was no concept of the need of presenting childbirth outside of, as most people were getting married, mm-hmm. right? Like if you think about, right, comprehensive sex ed's important. Like not just like the, if you have sex, you'll get pregnant and die, but like, right, yeah. So they didn't really know what was what. And the men, if they, they just didn't care because like, whatever, he'll just get an abortion. Like that was the precedent that had been set. 
Yeah, uh, but in the words of Lee Israel, um, one of the many biographies written about Tallulah, there were a ton. The star got abortions like other women got permanent weaves. Honestly, it's really fucked up. So we know Jeez. Tallulah never wanted kids and in general didn't really want to be in a monogamous relationship. She did actually, she was married briefly for one point, which we'll talk about oh, later, okay. but I don't love this. Like, I mean, sure, right? Like, obviously I am... And we today are both for like prophylactic birth control. Like nobody, I like to think about abortions like root canals. Nobody wants to get one. You can Mm -hmm. practice good dental hygiene. So you don't have to get one. Sometimes you have to get one regardless because shit happens. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. So like, yeah, it's not great. But at the same time, she's in this culture where nobody's using birth control for that. Right. Like it's not really happening. Um, But like, so, so. So what? Like what you're saying just because she they didn't have to like hold her down to get an abortion or threaten her threaten her with being fired that she's somehow like I don't know. I don't know. It's I just didn't love that comment about her in that uh like it's funny. It's like if she was like yeah you grow if she was like in the sense of like Samantha and Sex in the City where she's like I've had two. Right? You know, she's like yeah, it's my body. I can do what I want with it. That's fine, but like I don't know. I didn't like this biography. It was kind of shitty. We had to think about, again, like clearly the fact that she had a gonorrhea infection so bad that she had to get an emergency hysterectomy kind of shows to me that she didn't really have any knowledge about her sexual health, right? I don't think she was apathetic about it necessarily, right? right? Yeah. Um, But yeah, so some of the reasons or excuses that were given for actresses uh, who were checked into a hospital for an abortion uh, were uh, appendicitis, ear infections, and fatigue. Mm. Uh, those were actually pretty, that was kind of a thing. They would go do that and then like leave whatever. Um, however, and that was usually they were actually done in a hospital setting. However, there was one star, um, she was on location in Hawaii and she had gotten pregnant and she had an abortion without anesthesia in a hotel room. And her mom literally held her down and covered her mouth. Oof. Want one in the first place. Oh, I don't like Mm -hmm. that. No. Um, so that's happening, but there was one star named Loretta Young, uh, who became pregnant after being raped by Clark Gable. Wow. Yep. Uh, the saddest fact is that she didn't even know what had happened to her was rape until she saw an episode of Larry King live for 50 years later. Um, because she thought that what happened to her was her fault because she didn't fight him off, even though he had like basically drugged her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So Anyway, she was totally Catholic. Yep. She didn't want to have an abortion. And while the normal star would have just terminated her contract, they, the studio knew it was very clearly Clark Gable's kid. And they're like, well, shit, uh, we can't make you like, we can't just fire you because then everybody's going to, when we fuck over Clark's image too, shit, shit, shit. So the studio, and again, the studio doesn't know that she's been raped and maybe, maybe like they knew and like, she didn't like something for whatever reason, there's like some stuff going on. Like they can't just like kick her out, you know, otherwise, you know, people will talk. So the studio paid for her to travel to England where she stayed for the duration of her pregnancy. And then right before she gave birth, she came home on a private, on a private plane to California um, where she gave birth in one of the cute little bungalows in the hill, all secluded. She gave the baby up for adoption. So then she could readopt the baby a year and a half later, like full on Downton Abbey style, right? Why? What? So she couldn't be a mother. She couldn't be presented as a woman who she couldn't be maternal, but she could have fallen in love with this poor orphan child and adopted her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So she gave the baby to an orphanage, like under like the known thing that she would be. And then they like pulled strings. So her daughter would always be in like foster homes that would eventually let her adopt the daughter. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And like, this was like commitment to the bit is like uh she ended up giving it so after the baby had gone to the orphanage she gave an interview from her like not her sick bed but like from her bed where she gave birth um at that house in california where they were like yeah i've been away for so long because of my health and i'm laid up because of an illness from childhood that reoccurred That's oh what, yeah okay yeah. so i was like why i've not been around mm-hmm. for nine months yeah yeah, but the jig was kind of up because the kiddo looked exactly like Clark. <laughs> yeah, back to Toulouse. So 
At one point in her career, Tallulah famously stated that she had had sex with over 5,000 people. I did the math. It's actually not impossible. It's a lot of people. Yeah. Even if you could even, so let's just assume that she only had one partner at a time, which let's be honest, she definitely had more than one partner at a dance. Well, you said she had parties that had no boundaries, which to me reads as orgy. So (laughs) yeah, right. So, okay. But no, so I did the math and I even gave her, I did it with, you know, her having sex five days a week, give her, you know, give her a nice weekend. Right. Uh, That would take her, I believe it was like given like different days of the week, it would take her between um, 12 and 18 years just so that many people, if it was only one, okay. per, like one person at a time. And like, that's not very long. And the girl, man, girls definitely had, I, yeah, not spread. Yeah. One yeah. bit. Like, I could yeah. See that. It's a lot of people. And it's probably just like a number she chucked out. However, I, it's definitely over a thousand. It, yeah. It just, it just is. And that's a lot of people. It's hard. To, it's, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, like I said before, Tallulah did get married one time um, okay. in 1937, unlike um, Eugenia, who got married seven times. Uh, she married a B-list actor named John Emery. Uh, okay. They only stayed married for four years. Uh, they got divorced in 1941, after which she said, you can definitely quote me as saying there will be no plans for a remarriage, a.k.a. Eugenia, I'm not you. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I. Uh... Okay. Yeah. Um, she apparently only married him in the first place because uh, he had a big dick. Uh, during their divorce proceedings, she said to the press, the weapon may be of admirable proportions, but the shot is weak. <laughs> so it's like, you got to know how to use you it. You got a big dick, but you just know how to use it. And I mean, I think it's true. Like if you're a woman who has sex with women, like sure, penises are are, are cool, but like, like they're fine. There's other stuff you can do. Yeah, she continued working largely in theater until the end of her life. Uh, most of her performances earned critical and audience acclaim. Uh, but in 1937, like this is when she's just married Emery, she had a terrible performance on Broadway in Shakespeare's Antony and Cleopatra. Uh, mm. quit- a critic from the New York Evening Post said, Tallulah Bankhead barged down the Nile last night as Cleopatra and sank. <laughs> Oh, yep. that is saucy. Yeah, they they left no crumbs. A year later, she screen tested for the role of Scarlett O'Hara in Gone with the Wind. Um, she did phenomenally in black and white. Um, but this is when Technicolor is coming out. Uh, and also, she's 36. Scarlett's supposed to be 16 in the, in the movie. So, like, just too old. Okay. Right? And, like, that absolutely. Right? Um, she actually got offered, though, the role of Belle Watling. <laughs> who is the brothel owner in the movie. Um, but she said, no, like I would have thought she like a great spot for her. Yeah. 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 Nope. She was like, but also again, like she didn't like being in movies and she wasn't making a shitload of money for this. Like not that it was chump change. Yeah. But she was like, she only ever did movies because she got paid well. Right. She loved the theater. Yep. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, but she wasn't down for long after um, her flop at Antony and Cleopatra. She won Variety Magazine's award for the best actress of the year. Um, for her performance as Regina Giddens in Lillian Hellman's The Little Foxes, uh, which one critic called one of the most electrifying performances in American theater history. Like, apparently, she was absolutely just a goddess. Like, we don't hear so much anymore about um, these just truly fantastic theater actresses like this because there's not as much of a space for it anymore, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like obviously we do have, you know, theater actors and actresses, but she was kind of singular in this sense, right? She was very uh, outspoken. She was incredibly progressive and anti-racist, a big kind of departure from her Southern Democrat family, you know, who used to own slaves and all that business and like the comfortable with black people unless they move in next door, right? Like that's where she kind of grew up, right? But no, she was just like, no, she was very fierce. And during this play, um, despite this though, I mean, like, uh, she was very anti-communist to her communism at this time is kind of like the lines of fascism and things like that. Right. It's not very great for, you know, women and, you know, for people that aren't old white men. Uh, but yeah, so this is during this time when, um, the little foxes is performing. This is when Russia had invaded Finland. She wanted 
Tallulah wanted to give part of the earnings to the Finnish Relief Fund, but the uh, writer of the play and the producer, uh, Lillian Hellman, was a communist. And oh. like, so they kind of butted heads, but at the same time, they both respected each other a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Lillian said that Tallulah's role of Regina was phenomenal, and Tallulah said that it was the best role she ever done. So, like, they didn't. Aww. They respected each other, right? Like very different okay. views. Um, but yeah, so yeah. So over the next couple of years, she won a bunch more awards, including the New York Film Critics Circle Award. As she accepted it, she said, darlings, I was wonderful. And then just left the stage. <laughs> I love that. I know. <coughs> wow. Yeah, she just, yeah, she was just confident, right? Like, yeah, she did Broadway and off-Broadway for the next decade. She made a bunch of money. Um, okay. When she died, she left an estate of about $2 million, um, which is about $14 million in today's money. She died in the, in the late 60s. So, yeah, I mean, she wasn't like, you know, Jennifer Aniston or whatever, but like, think about, you know, like a Broadway actor and stuff. Usually they make about, for like a Broadway actor or like a top biller, this is when I was in high school. I remember like asking and looking some stuff up. It was between like, it's like mid six figures, like low six figures. Right. So like, that's still like a pretty good amount of change, you know, to, yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she's not, she's well off. So in 1948, when the Kinsey report came out, I'll definitely do an episode about that. The Kinsey report, do you know who the Kinsey report is? Mm -mm. Have you heard of like the Kinsey scale? No. Okay. So Alfred Kinsey was kind of the first, uh, American sexologist. Uh, he studied, you know, American sexual health and sexual okay. behaviors. Uh, basically the Kinsey report was just kind of like all the different ways that people like to do it. Like, Whoa. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, like, well, and it wasn't necessarily like, he was just like, yeah, where, what does human sexuality include? Like it clu- like, you know, like positions, you know, BDSM or whatever role play. Like basically he's like, he meant to just kind of be like, these are some things that exist. Like, Sure, maybe mm. you're unusual, but it doesn't mean that you're like abnormal, right? Like it was just yeah. kind of like chronically. Yeah. And but there's like a but yeah, so when it came out though, Tallulah said that she found no surprises when she read it. And then everything mentioned was old hat. It's like <laughs> this report, there were two reports, but everybody in the country was like what? scandalized. And she's yeah. like, Yeah, I'm yeah, run of the mill. I've done it all. Very much like again, she's like literally Samantha Jones, except like she yeah, she's like Samantha Jones, but except kind of like a bit more to a degree she didn't really Mm. but honestly yeah that's a pretty good likening but still she's still it's a little less uh refined in a way okay uh 1952 she wrote her autobiography which is a bestseller uh titled the very original Tallulah my autobiography nice um it was kind of about a time the early 50s uh when her career started slowing down her drug use had gotten quite dependent. She was using alcohol a little bit, but not so. It wasn't like drugs still kind of were her main thing. She really okay. was just struggling with her mental health. She was taking kind of just like, they called them various cocktails of drugs, like uppers and downers to help her sleep. And yeah. at times, I guess her housekeeper had to physically tape her down so she wouldn't like sleep, take more pills. Seriously. That was like wow. a thing. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that was a thing. She was in her autobiography and like still in general, she was just super outspoken. She is actually credited with um, being a political activist and like actually influential in various presidential elections because oh, wow. she was so out, yeah, so outspoken. And obviously she gets a lot of attention just for being who she is. So, you know, if it's kind of like she can trash talk so many people pay attention. If she like promotes something, maybe they won't take it as well. But like, basically she could like talk shit on, you know, whatever conservative candidate she didn't like, or like a racist candidate or whatever. And people would be like, maybe they do suck a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I love that. I love when celebrities, you know, use their power for Mm -hmm. good, you know? Yeah. Like, I think the thing I like too with her is that she wasn't sure she, she didn't like communism. She had obviously policy ideas, but the biggest thing that she was kind of the champion of is she hated discrimination. She was huge on civil rights. She was a big proponent of that. And she just didn't care mm-hmm. if it affected her career. Like granted at this point, she also doesn't have a big career, but this is her whole life though. Right. Like yeah. her entire life, she's just always, always been a dissident against, you know, the man, the machine. 
when she was 54 in 1956, she said to her friend, um, Tennessee Williams, who also wrote uh, Streetcar Dame Desire, the play, mm -hmm. I'm 54 and I wish always, always for death. I've always wanted death. Nothing else do I want more. Oh my goodness. Yeah. She's, That's so sad. I know. Super sad. But like, again, she still has like these kind of, that she's getting, you know, pretty emotional. But she, then on the outside though, she's saying shit like, too many of our countrymen rejoice in stupidity. Look upon ignorance as a badge of honor. They condemn everything they don't understand. So like, she's feisty, but she's, she's hurting on it. She's hurting inside, right? Which she's, again, this big star. She's like a caricature, she, caricature. She's a camp icon, right? That's a huge, it's like Lady Gaga is a camp icon, right? Like granted Lady Gaga isn't, you know, screwing across America, but she's still, you know, she's become a, one of the first gay icons in the U.S. She's just huge, huge, huge. She's inspired a bunch of roles. She actually inspired the character of Blanche Dubois um, mm. in A Streetcar Named Desire, who she ended up playing in 56 when she's talking to Tennessee about that she was doing. She also inspired Margot Channing in the film All About Eve. She was the inspiration for Cruella DeVille in 101 Dalmatians. Uh, really yeah her affect her dress everything okay. not like the not like the murdering puppies thing but like <laughs> okay yeah. yeah uh there's also a cocktail named after her at the ritz hotel in london which you have to go because ellen lives in the uk it's called the tallula oh my gosh was, i'll totally go yeah which was allegedly created after one of her visits to the hotel during which she drank champagne out of her shoe what yeah. what <laughs> any more info like the Tallulah is still very much on the menu but like <laughs> apparently she went to the hotel and got some kind so that's the thing though I don't even know if Tallulah was on something she could have she was just she was just being Tallulah could have just been weird yeah we don't know man um all right <laughs> yeah hopefully it's not out of my shoe but yeah I hope not um, that's some that's a People call that something else too, like a shoey or something. Shoey, actually, yeah, and that's in Australia. They literally, anyway. So she's pretty depressed, but at this point, though, she is kind of rallying sometimes, right? So she did agree in '56 to, you know, play the role of Blanche, right? That had been written, you know, with her in mind. He'd wanted mm -hmm. her to do it at first, but she said no. Um, I guess the first opening night, she kind of just like she did it really campy, right? That was again who that was what people expected from her, right? She was yeah. a camp icon. And Tennessee was like, oh my God, no, Tallulah, this is my baby. And then apparently after that, it was like a 180. Oh, wow. A, okay. A fantastic performance. And he's like, he, yeah, apparently he was just blown away. Yeah. So that was a thing. And then she also made a, an appearance on the Ford Lucille Ball Does He Arnaz show. They were really, she was as herself. Um, She was actually really excited to, sorry they were excited for her to be on the show but they didn't really know they weren't prepared for what it was like to work with her she is one of those actors that kind of like isn't she's not like necessarily off when she's off but like when she's on she's on but mm -hmm. she's not necessarily gonna like let you know everything that she's ready always right like you might be looking at her and think oh my god she's not caring about this but she's doing it all internally so they were just like okay. they, they thought she wasn't caring it was a whole thing but I guess she crushed it nice yeah, but for a while, there was, like, some tension. At this point, though, basically until her death, she's working almost exclusively in radio. Um, like, she never really kind of regained her health okay. since, yeah, like, from after, you know, really after kind of her big decline with the emergency hysterectomy. She's still go-go-going, but, like, you can't go-go-go right after, you, you know, you're still Major frail surgery, and, yeah. yeah. And it, so she kind of never got back to, like, her set point before. Um but she ended up moving back across the pond again. She loved London um, and she started working for the BBC. Um, and again, her health is pretty awful at this point. She has emphysema, some other stuff. One of her co-hosts, Roy Plomley, said about her in an interview. She was a very frail and ailing old lady. She's in her 60s. I was shocked to see how old and ill she looked as I helped her out of a taxi. She had come from her hotel wearing a mink coat slung over a pair of lounging pajamas. And she leaned heavily on my arm as I supported her to the lift. Her eyes were still fine, and there was still beauty in the bone structure of her face beneath the wrinkles and ravages of hard living. Her hands shook, and when she wished to go to the loo, she had to ask Monica Chapman to accompany her to help her with her clothing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is just like, damn. Also, my mom is 66. Like, 
she's and she's that's just yeah you know, yeah that's crazy I don't want to be like don't do drugs kids but don't do too many drugs kids like that's there's a line right <laughs> um but I will say Tallulah was quite self-aware of the issue right like she was aware that she was not doing hot she said uh that she to quote uh she couldn't put a key in the door couldn't put a key in the door darling I can't do a thing for myself so oh my gosh yeah I um, can't imagine how tough that has to be super weak you've got the shakes um so like I said she's a gay icon and apparently she kind of do you get like the concept of like Anna Garten's gays no do you ever watch Barefoot Contessa Anna Garten's mm. cooking show. <gasps> oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's so like, so it's kind of like a, an ongoing joke, but it's kind of a thing. So Ina has lots of gay friends and on the TV show, she's having like a guest for dinner or something. And a lot of the time it's just fabulous gay men. Love um, it. Yeah. So there's like the, there was this tweet once that it was this guy posted like my goal in life is to become one of Ina Garten's gays. <laughs> you know, like a thing though, she just has a lot of fabulous gay friends. And at this point, um, Tallulah ends up actually having a lot of like young gay men who kind of like help take care of her. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And it's kind of just like, which is kind of, I think for like the first time in her life that somebody had been interested in her just as a person, not not as like a sexual. Yeah. I think that's kind of, she kind of became like really enjoyed that circle. Like, of course, like, because they thought she was cool and gave her attention, but at this point in her life, she's kind of starting to, kind of simmer down at this point um she's kind of getting out of her ways at this point of being a kind of a sex symbol and to the point where she was asked about it basically in an, an interview and she gave this quote sex i'm bored with sex what is it after all if you go down on a woman you get a crick in your neck if you go down on a man you get lockjaw and <laughs> fucking just gives me claustrophobia <laughs> Oh my yeah. goodness. It's a big one. I think, what, I think again, it's, she's like, she's thinking I've done everything and I'm just bored. Yeah. Like, literally she's just bored of sex. Yeah. She's like, I get it. Like at this point in her life, like she's just done all the things and now she's, she's not doing so hot for health. And she's just like, I think she's trying <sighs> to just figure out. Yeah. It's, she's been by her. I don't know. Uh, and I'm not saying she needed like a, like a man to complete her, but she didn't really have companionship during her life with for like a long-term right and I think Mm -hmm. that can take a toll on somebody um so like I don't I couldn't find any like long-term friends that she had right so that and I get that's a big deal right yeah yeah so well she did do mostly radio she did one last film in 1965 uh called Fanatic it's a British horror film in the U.S. it was released as die die my darling and she was pissed uh, because she thought they were exploiting her catchphrase. And she's like, I'm Tallulah, darling. It's not, you can't call your phrase, die, die, darling. Die, die, <laughs> my darling. She was bitter, but everyone was like, no. No. <laughs> like, it, it is you, but also you're in the movie. So yeah. It's not your catchphrase. You are Tallulah, darling. We can't. Yeah. Anyway, uh, she was pretty self-conscious by her appearance in the film. The director oh. didn't want her any makeup. And like, we already know from her radio co-host that she's not looking so hot these days. Uh, and when yeah. she had a private viewing for her friends, she kind of said tongue in cheek that she looked older than God's wet nurse. That's so funny. <laughs> I know. That's the thing that like, as is, is dark as shit got and like, yeah, she was self-deprecating. She also was like, she was still like, when she did get out of, when she rallied, she fucking rallied hard. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. So she did have, she, she herself wasn't, other than like how she looked in the film, she thought it was a piece of shit. Uh, it was a very, like I said, it was a B grade horror movie, but it got great reviews. Uh, it is okay. a cult classic today. I kind of want to watch it uh, at some point. Yeah. Extra research. Right. <laughs> she had a couple minor TV appearances after that, but like other than that, she's pretty much done. Yeah. So Tallulah died in 1968 in Manhattan at age 66. She died of double pneumonia. Like I said, she had emphysema and really ever since the hysterectomy and kind of after that, she kind of had chronic malnutrition, right? In the sense that, you know, she just was not eating enough, that kind of thing. Like it doesn't, there's no evidence she had an eating disorder, right? Like it doesn't appear to that have, she didn't have like anorexia nervosa or bulimia, yeah. but it was more just like her brand of depression, you know, was more like not eating enough. And then just, you know, you're on the, the champagne and, you know, cocaine diet. No, sorry. It's a champagne caviar diet. Her last words 
were coding bourbon with the inflection that she was asking for them. <laughs> Shortly after which she expired. Wow. And that is the story of uh, Tallulah Bankhead. Wait, how iconic. What mm-hmm. great last words. I know. <laughs> yes. Bourbon. Yeah. Like, I mean, just I was shocked that I'd never heard of her before because she was, again, even if she wasn't like a quote unquote big movie star, she was a star. Right, right. She was like a pop star. Yeah, well, like the thing is, like she didn't really care about being famous. She just loved to perform. She loved mm-hmm. attention, clearly, but you know, she had talent though. You know, like she's just, yeah, she's so singular. She's a wild, and I could totally see why society would be just like yeah, smitten with her because she's just yeah. wild. Yeah. Some of my favorite uh, other quotes by Tallulah were, uh, "If I were well behaved, I'd die of boredom." <laughs> Uh, I'm Pierre is the driven slush. <laughs> I love. Yeah, this was another thing they said after she got put on um, in the Doom book. I'd rather be strongly wrong than weakly right, which I say that not, I don't say that exactly, but I tell it to my kids. That. And my, yeah, <laughs> never half ass anything, always whole ass something. And if you're wrong, just apologize and go over it. But like, yeah. Oh my God. I'll come and make love to you at five o'clock. If I'm late, start without me. <laughs> I've been called many things, but never an intellectual. That one is not great. <laughs> well, that is coming from this though. I read Shakespeare and the Bible and I can shoot dice. That's what I call liberal education. I love that. Mm-hmm. I'm the foe of moderation, the champion of excess. I think we should really just, you know, end it with this one. Despite all you may have heard to the contrary, I have never had to ride in a patrol wagon. She was never arrested. Well, you know, you got to get your win somewhere. That's great. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, Belle, this was lovely. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Uh, Yeah. Thank you, Tallulah, for being such an icon. Such an icon. Thank you for listening to Hot Goss History. You can find us on Instagram at Hawkeye's History. You can send us an email at History at gmail.com. And we are also now streaming on Apple Podcasts where you can rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks to Pat and Alex from The Set of Paradise for our intro and outro music. And stay juicy! <laughs>